return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Hallelujah. Thank you, praise team. Uh, I love praise and worship because it just ushers in the presence. Amen. Um, you know, before before I come up and speak, I always just pray in tongues and and just uh, you know just spend time with the Lord just right before um, because I want to know and I want myself to know that this isn't about me. It's not about uh, what's happening, but this is about Him. Amen. And then to have worship again, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Right, and that's how we want our heart to be. It's all about Him. Amen, because uh, sometimes we can get caught up with a ministry or a church or um, what song do we sing, and oh, I don't like that song or, you know, whatever, but it's really all about Him. It doesn't matter what songs you're singing or, or even what the message is about, but if we put our focus on Him, amen, then everything's going to go well and everything's going to work out well for us, amen. Hallelujah. So tonight we have Albert Adu ministering tonight. Albert, raise your hand in the back there. Amen. It's going to be good. So come out at 6.30 tonight for Albert. Monday we have our fire starters meeting. Uh, I think this is the second meeting back from the break. So that's at 7 o'clock. So if you're a college student, uh, come to fire starters and experience the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe how you've never experienced it before or experienced Him before. Amen. And, and uh, it's just from what I remember from when I was in fire starters and then what I hear now, it's just a great time of meeting people that are like-minded with you, and uh, and then also allowing the Holy Spirit to work in meetings. Amen. So that's going to be good. Wednesday, we have our prayer uh, time from, from 10 to 4, and then corporate prayer from 12 uh, to about 12.30, 12.45. And like I always say, we pray for you. We pray for uh, everybody in the congregation that things are going well for health and healing. Amen. No matter what. Uh, the reports are what's going around. We know that we have a great physician who's Jesus, and he wants us well. Amen. So we, uh, we believe for that. And then uh, Wednesday night, I'll be speaking again as well. Hour of Power from 7 to 8. encourage you to come out for that as well. Thursday, our Women's Live Bible Study at 1030 here at the church. And uh, just going to be a great time. So if you're a woman, if you have, uh, if you have time from 1030 to 1130, Come here and you'll be blessed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I think we have Kids Rock in the back, ages 3 to 1st grade. And uh, Diana is going to be taking that today. So thank you. Amen. The rest of us will stand up with me. You have your Bibles today? Praise the Lord. It's our lifeline. Amen. Amen. Say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. 
I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that your Holy Spirit moves. Lord, that it's not me speaking, but you speaking through me to what your people want to, uh, need to hear in these times, Lord. Uh, and we just give you all the praise and glory. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, to bless the Lord means uh, to say, I greatly appreciate the Lord. Amen. So sometimes we say, thank you, Lord, without thinking, but really we're saying, I, we appreciate you, or we say, bless you. We appreciate you. We greatly appreciate you. Amen. We appreciate what he's done. We appreciate what he's going to do. Amen. And kind of gets me to what I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, attitude is everything. And this is something that uh, I'm a sixth grade basketball coach and something that I try to uh, let my players know every time we practice is that attitude is, is important. Amen. Attitude um, may decide whether you get into the game. Attitude is going to decide if you sit on the bench. Um, you know, just recently there's a, a game when somebody didn't have a very good attitude, and so they sat the rest of the game because of their attitude. So attitude is important in life. Um, it's important in our jobs. How do we respond to our boss when they ask us to do something? How do, how do we respond um, when there's a deadline that's, that's very critical, that we got, we got the information late? How do we respond um, when we fail a test in school, right? How do we respond when we get a bad report? All these things deal with our attitude. All these things deal with uh, whose report am I going to believe? If I have a good attitude, I'm going to believe God's report. If I have a bad attitude, I'm going to believe the world's report, right? What's our attitude towards other people? What's your attitude towards your family members or people that don't like you? Amen. If God asks you to do something, what's your attitude towards Him? What's your attitude towards the task that He's put before you? I mean, these are all good questions to ask ourselves. I mean, every once in a while we want to self-reflect, don't we? We want to just kind of sit back and say, okay, am I in God's will? Yes or no? If the answer is no, why not? Is my attitude not where it's supposed to be? Right? And when we check our attitude and we, and we say, Lord, I thank you that you just... You mold me to your will, and my attitude is upward and positive towards you, it's going to make a world of difference. It's going to change our life. Having a good attitude can change the atmosphere around you. Amen? Don't let your circumstances dictate your attitude. But let your attitude dictate your circumstances. Amen? So how many know that you might be in a situation, and uh, if you have the right attitude about it, your circumstances can change. The whole atmosphere can change. Amen? It's like, uh, if, you know, I, I love, I really enjoy basketball, and I coach basketball, I watch it. Um, if you have two players that are equal skill at the end of the game, and, and we need a, a big basket to win the game, and one player says, I know I can make it, coach. And the other player says, I don't know. Don't put me in, coach. Well, you're going to have more faith in the one that says, I'm going to make it. Give me the ball, right? What is it? It's not that their skill level is different, but it's their attitude is different. In that moment, the player with a good attitude 
has a better chance of making that shot than the player that doesn't believe that he can. Right? And so, every day in our life, our attitude is important. I remember projects at, you know, Dactronics that would come up and, and uh, not always would I jump at the opportunity because my attitude wasn't always great. But when it was, I'd be like, no, I got this. I can do this. I can do this project. I can do it well. Amen. And so the Lord wants us to have a good attitude outwardly, but also attitude of our heart is, needs to be good. Needs to be uh, faithful to Him. Amen. We want it to be um, an attitude of, of thankfulness towards Him. An attitude that, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I can do it. Amen. Because what I've said before is, if we tell the Lord, I can't do this, you made a mistake, you put me in the wrong position, we're really saying, God, you were wrong. And we know that God's never wrong. Amen. If we say, Lord, I just whatever you called me to do, I just can't do it, I'm going to walk away. We're saying, you don't know what's best for me. We're saying, I know what's best for myself, right? So if we're not having an attitude of, of uh, Lord, yes, I will do what your will is for my life, what we're having is a selfish attitude, right? If we're not giving it to the Lord, we're saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to have what I want to have, right? And whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter. Whether it's anxiety or fear or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's, it's still a, a selfish attitude, right? So we want to have a good attitude. So let's, let's look at Luke 6, 43. And I think you can tell a lot about someone by their attitude. And, and if you know somebody for a long time, you know, sometimes we're, we all get in bad moods, don't we? Sometimes it's just, it's just not there. And uh, we make mistakes, and we, we're not perfect, that's true. Um, you know, I, I've had bad attitudes a lot, I'm not going to lie. Um, but if you know somebody for a long time, and consistently um, they're down on themselves, they're anxious, they're depressed about their situation, um, you can tell a lot about somebody. Inversely, if, you, if somebody is always upbeat and positive and always has a smile on their face and and enjoying life, you can tell a lot about who they are. So Luke 6.43 says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance... uh, of the heart, his mouth speaks. And so, if your attitude, if the attitude of your heart is hard, then the attitude that you show on the outside is not going to be good. Okay? Because if, if we have bad fruit inside of us, okay, and we're holding, we're holding a, a grudge, or we are judging others, or we don't feel like we're worth anything or insecure about who we are, okay, if we have bad fruit, um, if, we're, if we're a bad tree, it's going to bear bad fruit. And it says that every tree is known by its fruits. Okay? Pastor Dave always talks about um, when you watch people, watch their feet. Where are they going? What's the direction they're going? Okay? Every tree is, we're known by what we do. We're known by how we act. Amen? We're known by what people around us see. Okay? And we all have a, this, fear, this fear of influence that we affect people around us. Okay? And so... Whether it's at your job or your school or with your family, um, you are affecting the atmosphere around you, right? And when we do that, we're either going to affect it for God's glory or not for God's glory, 
and it says that men do not gather figs from thorns, they don't, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. Basically, saying if you have if you're if you have a bad if you're a bad tree, <laughs> okay, you can't pretend to give good fruit. Okay, good fruit's not going to come out. All right. So you see a lot of people and, and Christians in particular. I'm talking to Christians here. Um, Christians that maybe have a secret life, and then they portray themselves as this amazing person, this amazing Christian. But yet, they're doing everything against God in their personal life, okay? And I'm going to tell you that you can only keep that up for so long, right? I mean, yeah, maybe for a season you can pretend, but eventually it's going to catch up to you, and people are going to see who you are, Right? So that's why we want to, even in our personal life, even our, in our private life, we want to live for God. We want to live for the Lord. Because what's going to happen? That's going to shine through us. Amen? Amen? Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So if we do things in our private life, and we fill up our heart up with all this garbage and different things, well, it's only a matter of time that our mouth is going to speak out what we're filling ourselves up with. But if we fill our heart up with good things, we fill our heart up with the Word and with, with um, edification toward, towards our brethren... The other thing, you know, going back to basketball, the other thing that is a huge pet peeve of mine is when teammates are discouraging towards one another. So you're out there, they're playing basketball, and the guys on the bench are yelling at the kids, like, you need to do this. And uh, I don't like that. Why? Because it, it, it does. It affects them around them. If you're, if you're yelling and screaming at a kid, especially as, a, as a, another player, um, what's that going to do for the confidence of the, of the other player. Well, it's not going to do anything, is it? I feel like every, every game that I, we play, I have to turn around and tell my team to be quiet and to be encouraging to their teammates, right? So if a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. So what we put in to our heart is what's going to ultimately come out. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Henry Ford once said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Right? So, if, if, again, if you're, if you're approaching a situation and, and you, you say, I'm going to run the Lord and I can do this, well, then the chances are you're going to pull through and you're going to be able to do uh, what's being asked of you to do. But if you are unsure and you're insecure about your abilities and your skills and you, and you just, in your mind, think, I can't do this, I can't do this, well, you're going to prove yourself right. So it's important what we think. It's important what we put down in our heart. Are we having a good attitude uh, towards our spouse? Okay. If you're going through a rough patch in your marriage, what's your attitude towards your marriage? Is your attitude, we're going to get through this. We're going to do this. I know we can do it. Or is it, it's over. Nothing can be done. Okay. That's going to determine a lot of what happens in the future in your marriage. Okay. Financially. Are you in a hole financially? Is your attitude... No, I'm going to keep believing God, I'm going to keep trusting Him for His provision, and we're going to get through this. Or is it, I don't, I don't see any way out. There's no way out. Well, you're, again, your attitude is going to dictate your future. Amen. So we can either let our circumstances change our attitude, or we can let our attitude change our circumstances. Amen. And you know that goes both ways. If we... If we have a good attitude, it's going to change our circumstances for the good. If we have a bad attitude, we're going to change our circumstances for the worse. Right? right. So we want, to, we want to honor the Lord, not just what we say, but what we think and what's in our heart. 
You're never going to have very much success if you're always telling yourself you can't do it. Right? When the world says you can't, the Bible says that you can. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Matthew 19.26, Jesus looked at them and said, with men this is impossible, with God all things are possible. Do you believe that all things are possible in your life? Do you believe that that relationship that was severed years ago can be restored? Do you believe that your child or your, or your parent can come back to Jesus? It's not too late. With God, all things are possible. Amen? Do you believe your marriage can get off the rocks and get on the rock? Amen? We need to believe that. We need to have it down in our spirit so that when somebody asks us about it, we can say, no, I believe Jesus' report. I don't care what the marriage statistics are, the divorce rate is. I don't care what uh, Forbes says about how far in debt I am. No, I'm going to believe Jesus, and I'm going to believe that he says is true about my life. Amen. I'm going to believe that I'm not inadequate. Amen. Amen. That he's called me to do something great. Amen. Amen. And when we do that, it changes our circumstances. It changes the atmosphere around us. So if somebody tells us you can't do something... We should also know and believe that when we put our trust in Jesus, we can do anything. Amen? We can do anything. Say anything. anything. Say, I can do anything. anything. Amen. It's not just a wishful thinking. It's a promise of God. Right? We're not just saying it because, because it's the thing to say. No, it's an actual promise of the Lord for your life. That you can do anything. When we get a bad doctor's report, what's our attitude? What's our response? Are we going to sit down and, and just say, well, that's it? Or are we going to fight? Are we going to say, no, Lord, I trust in you. You have more for me to do on this earth. Are we down? Are we depressed? Are we feeling sorry for ourselves? You know, there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that we can do that. We can feel sorry for ourselves. We can say, well, poor me and all these things. Why are all these things coming against me? But I tell you what, you're not the only one dealing with something. That's the world. That's the world we live in because we live in a fallen world. And the devil wants nothing more than to tell us you can't make it. That you're not going to get over this hump. He's going to tell you that you don't deserve to be here. He's going to tell you that your, your report's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. But Jesus says, even though the Satan, even though the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says you will have life. Amen. Your physical body will have life. Your finances will have life. Amen. Your mind, what you put into your mind and and your mental capacity will have life. Your mental health will have life. Amen. That's what he wants to tell us. We have life. We have it more abundantly. Amen. So do we feel like that or are we going to still live in victory? Are you still going to say, no, Lord, I I know what you've said in your word. You said you've given me the, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You say that it's not I that live, but you that lives, who lives through me. So I'm going to choose today to have victory. It's a daily, maybe hourly, minutely thing, amen, to choose victory in life. Especially when things aren't going our way. Every minute we have to choose victory. Sometimes you might have to say a, say a scripture every, like every five minutes just to get these thoughts out of your head that the devil wants to put in your, in your mind. So I want to go quick. Let's look at the story of Naaman. So Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army, and he had leprosy, which was an uncurable disease. It couldn't be cured. There was no 
uh, there was no way out from leprosy. So we're going to start in 2 Kings 5, verse 9. And it says, Then Naaman went, to a, went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand all over the place and heal the leprosy. You know, a lot of times people will think that there's just going to be this, this, this miraculous thing that lightning's going to come down and, and the Lord's going to speak through the clouds and we're going to be able to hear him audibly and we're automatically going to be cured of our financial hardships. We're automatically going to be cured of whatever it is. Um, but that doesn't always happen, does it? Sometimes it's a process. Okay. I mean, why didn't, why didn't Elisha tell him, yeah, just go once and be healed? Yeah, just dip once. All you need to do is dip once. No, there's a process, amen? We continue to believe. We continue to, uh, to believe that Jesus um, is all true. doesn't lie, amen? Verse 12. Are not the Abana and the Parfar, uh, Par, Far, Par, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage, and the servant came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have done it, or would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a, of a little child, and he was clean. Amen. So, how did Naaman's attitude start? Pretty bad, right? I mean, you have a chance to be healed of this leprosy, this incurable disease, and he didn't want to go down into the dirty water and and dip seven times, and he wanted the man of God to come out to him right away and and talk with him face to face and call thunder down from heaven, call the Lord down, and just heal him right away. But how many know that that sometimes what we think um, about a situation isn't how God wants to do it, right? I mean, I've used this example a lot, but David, when he's fighting the Philistines in the valley... And uh, the first time he asked the Lord, what shall we do? And they, he says, go and you're going to overtake them. And, and uh, very next verses, very same valley, very same enemy. And he said, Lord, what should we do? And I always think it's, it's, it's amazing and it's awesome that David inquired of the Lord again. Because how many times do, uh, does the Lord show up in our life for a certain situation and then that same thing comes back and we just try to do the same thing again without asking the Lord? And the Lord said, no, don't do it. Don't do it that way this time. Man, we're going to ambush them this time, and you're going to overtake them that way. You know, the devil is not dumb. The devil has strategies too, right? So when he has a strategy against us in our life, and we defeat that strategy, he's not going to use the same strategy. So why should we use the same strategy? Amen? We're well able. You are, God said you are well able to overtake them. You are well able to overcome And do you see the difference between the attitude and the servant and Naaman? I mean, just think if Naaman wouldn't have had a servant there. And he would have just walked away and died of leprosy. That's what, that's what would have happened if he wouldn't have submitted to what the Lord, how the Lord wanted to heal him. Amen? Fortunately for Naaman, his heart changed. He changed his heart. He went and he was clean. And, and you know, not just in this instance, if you read through chapter 5, the rest of chapter 5... Naaman didn't just praise the Lord that day. No, Naaman spent the rest of his life 
living this heart of gratitude to the Lord. Amen. I mean, he even told, he told uh, Elisha, he went back, and uh, he told Elisha he would no longer sacrifice to the other gods. He'd only sacrifice to the Lord. Whew. He even asked for pre-forgiveness when he had to go to his master, with his master to the worship in the temple of their gods. So Naaman, not only did he change his attitude in his heart just for that moment, but he lived an attitude of a changed heart. An attitude towards the one true God. Amen? So sometimes we might be faced with a situation, you know, think of the ten lepers that were cleansed when Jesus cleansed them, and only one came back. Nine had a good attitude for about seven minutes. Right? And then what did they do? They kept on living the way they wanted to live. But one actually changed his attitude for the rest of his life. Decided to walk with Jesus. Amen? When Satan tries to bring something against you, and we put our attitude and our heart towards the Lord... Don't just let it happen for that one time. Make it be a, com- a continual thing. A thing that every day in your life, your heart, you're gauging your heart. Is my heart towards the Lord? <laughs> is my attitude positive? Am I, am I, is my heart right with God? Amen. I want to look at one more instance here. Let's go to Jonah. Hmm. We're going to start in Jonah 1 verse 1. And the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amate, uh, Mittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness had come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So, again, we see, just as with Naaman, the Lord says something, and the Lord makes, he, he wants somebody to do something, right, according to his will. And uh, we see that Jonah kind of had the same response, right, his name. I mean, different situations, but the same response. I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. I'm not going to do what the man of God wants me to do, right? Jonah rose, fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And um, <clears throat> he's not off to a good start, is he? Jonah's not off to a good start. Whenever we run from God or run from his will, we already know the attitude of our heart is bad. When we, sometimes we can, we can get off course, but when we intentionally do something that the God doesn't want us to do, we know that the attitude of our heart is bad. So Jonah runs from God. And then in verse 17, so we know that he goes on the ship and the waves and the wind um, are about to topple the ship over. And Jonah says, it's my fault. Throw me overboard. Okay. And uh, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I always wonder why Jonah didn't repent until the third day. Can you imagine how bad your attitude has to be to spend three days in a fish before you repent? And if you read Jonah's prayer, I mean, it is, it's amazing when we study the word, things that jump out to you. When you read Jonah's prayer, it really wasn't a heart of, like, please forgive me. Like, the, he didn't really pray like, like he was sorry for what he did. It's almost like he prayed just to get out of jail. I mean, he just prayed to get out of the fish. And, and the Lord is gracious, so he did. Amen. But it took three days, and Jonah prays, and the Lord commands the fish to spit him up. And we know that Jonah did finally obey God, and he gave the message to Nineveh. And they did repent for a time, but even when he did that, 
if you remember the story, was Jonah's attitude right after he preached in Nineveh? No, was it? So his attitude, maybe for a little bit, was good to God. He's like, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. But really, we don't see a change of heart from Jonah. <clears throat> and if we go to Jonah 4, that when it, it talks about uh, Nineveh repenting of their sins and the king even putting sackcloth and ashes and different things, <clears throat> it says that it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in your country? So wait, so Jonah knew that they were going to repent? And he was still angry? Now you've got to think about the animosity that Jonah had towards his people, right? And his attitude already towards his people. And, and his mindset was, I don't care what happens, I'm not going to change. When we have a heart that, uh, that we say, no matter what happens, I'm not going to change, well, we've missed it. Amen? Because God doesn't change. He stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in a relationship, if one person doesn't change and is always right, and the relationship isn't good, well, who's the problem? Well, it's me, right? If I have a relationship with the Lord, and, uh, and, and, I'm, you know, and, and I'm not um, doing what he wants me to do, and I feel like my relationship with him is bad, well, I need to change. I need to have a heart of change. Amen? An attitude to say, Lord, whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do it. Therefore, I have read previously for Tarshish to know, or for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. When we have a bad attitude, we put all the attention on ourselves. And that's what Jonah did, didn't he? When we have a bad attitude, we say, no, I'm more important than you. My will is more important than your will, right? And the book of Jonah doesn't have, an hap- doesn't have a happy ending. You know, it's not like Job, where Job gets restored, all these things. No, that didn't happen for Jonah. I mean, the, the book of Jonah ends with Jonah complaining, God questioning Jonah, asking him a question, and Jonah just not responding. And we never know if Jonah got his heart right. Okay? I mean, we, we, he's mentioned in the New Testament um, as far as, as uh, Jesus says, um, a greater than Jonah is here to preach the gospel. But the Bible never says, and from when I was studying it, that Jonah ever turned his heart back towards God. Okay? Now maybe he did. Hopefully he did. But I just want you to see there's two separate, different situations, two different people. We have Jonah, who, uh, yeah, he does what God wants him to do, but he doesn't have a right heart about it. But then we see Naaman, who does eventually do what God wants him to do, and changes his heart completely towards the Lord. Amen? And so that's what we want to do. It's not, it's not good enough just to do it for the one situation or the one circumstance. But no, it's a, it's a, it's a daily attitude of wanting to do better for Jesus. Amen? Amen? No matter what we're doing, we can do it with a right heart towards God. Colossians 3.23 says, 23 says Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Amen? We want to, whether it's in your, in your job, you know, you're doing your work, and maybe you don't like your boss, you don't like your coworkers, that's okay. Do it under the Lord. Amen? Everything we do, is, it doesn't say that we should act like we're doing it to the Lord. No, do it to the Lord. 
Amen. Sometimes we try to trick ourselves like, okay, I'm going to pretend I'm doing this for the Lord. No, we actually are doing it for the Lord. Amen. We're just, we, just to get our attitude and our heart right with God, that's how we look at those things. <clears throat> Whatever you're doing, you can have a good attitude doing it by doing it under the Lord. If you're at work, do your job under the Lord. If you're in athletics, do it to the best of your ability unto the Lord. Amen. If you're completing schoolwork, do it with a good attitude unto the Lord. So every, every area of our life we can have, we, we choose, don't we? Every area of our life we choose whether we're going to do it with a good attitude or a bad attitude. Um, every area of our life we choose whether we're going to honor God with it or not honor God with it. Okay? So it doesn't mean, I mean, there might be, maybe almost every area of your life you're honoring the Lord and you're like, you're so excited just to do it for the Lord, but maybe there's one area. Maybe there's just one area in your life where you're like, eh, I don't really do that. Uh, to the Lord as much as I should. What do we do? We check our heart. Amen. I mean, there's a reason why every every uh, three thousand miles I get my car on for an oil change. Okay. Because I keep if I keep running on the oil that that is in there, well, my car is going to break down eventually. Right. What what is it? It's a check. I'm checking. Okay. If need be, and at three thousand miles, it's usually the case. They'll change the oil. They'll replace it. In our, in our life, in our Christian walk, every so often, maybe it's every day, check your heart. Okay? Anything that needs to be changed? Is there an attitude that I need to adjust? Is there somebody that I haven't forgiven? Right? That's what God's called us to do. We look at ourselves. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. I mean, we want a clean heart. We want a heart that uh, is free of any blemishes, anything that might... Take us away from God is what he's calling us to do. Amen. Because Jesus, he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such blemish, right? It's like my kids. If, uh, you know, if they're they're doing something that I don't like, it's it's a lot more fun for me if they correct it themselves rather than if I have to correct them. Amen. So in our life, we want to be able to correct things in our life with the Lord's help, obviously. But it's a self-check, um, right? It's a self-identification like, oh, this, this is the problem. Amen? There's a lot of times where I've had to do that, where I've had to just kind of sit back and say, okay, things aren't going well. It's probably me. What's going on in my life? What, what am I doing that's not right right now? Am I honoring God in this situation? Is my attitude right? Is my heart right towards God? <clears throat> Amen. And you know, even you know, that's why. Why do we pray? Why do we? Why do we bless the Lord? You know, when I, whenever I pray, I always, I always give praise and thanksgiving to the Lord first. Why? Because it, it uh, molds my heart to, to Him. It takes the focus off me and it puts it on Him. If I'm praising Him and I'm thanking Him. Amen. It, it unleashes His presence in that prayer. Because our attitude can affect the way we pray. Right? So if we, if, we, if we start our prayer with, Lord, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? And these things are going horrible in my life. And I don't see you in any of my situations. Um, I feel like you're far away and all that. And we, that's how we start our prayer. Um, well, then our attitude is going to dictate how we're, how we're going to pray, right? But if we start out with, Lord, I don't care what's going on. I'm so thankful for you. You're the creator of the universe. I honor you. I greatly praise you. I appreciate you. 
what does it do? It, it gives us this gratitude towards God that affects the rest of our prayer life. James 4.1 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have, excuse me, because you do not ask. You ask and do not perceive, or do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So when we ask something of the Lord, we want to ask for the right reasons. Amen? When we, um, like, like it says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, you may spend it on your own pleasures. And a lot of times, what is that? Not just pleasures, but your sin, sinful pleasures. Not that, because God wants us to enjoy life. So this isn't just talking about pleasures like, oh, I love to water ski, so, you know, um, I can't ask about that because that's, that's one of the pleasures. No, really, the sinf- what is not honoring God, right? That's what it's talking about when we don't receive. Are we selfishly asking to use for our pleasures? Are we asking with a sincerity of heart? Amen. A good, a good word to use whenever we're praying to God is thank you. It's always a good word. Amen. Ryan, whenever he receives anything from us or from other people, and I know Isaac said this before about his kids, that he always says, now what do you say? Thank you. Because thank you is a good word. And when we're, when we're communicating with our Father, amen, and we, we're supposed to respect our Father, but when we're communicating with them, it's always good to say, thank you. Even if my circumstances don't look good, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I'm alive, you know. <clears throat> Every time I, you know, take a shower in the hot water, I feel the hot water. It's like, oh, thank you for hot water. Every time I sleep in my bed and I have heat, I mean, especially when it's in the negatives here, it's like, Lord, thank you for a warm bed. Thank you that my furnace is working. Amen. Or thank you that I have the ability to get it fixed. Because there's been some times where we our furnace has not worked. But what are we doing? We're thanking the Lord. We're setting ourselves up to have a good posture of our heart towards the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 says, Being anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Amen. Everything by prayer. We're getting some feedback again here. With thanksgiving, amen, let your requests be made known. So a lot of people think that, well, I can't ask God of anything for myself um, because that's selfish. Well, no. It just says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be and the Holy Spirit, he must love my preaching this morning, I tell you what. I love the feedback. Um, but with thanksgiving, we can still request things from the Lord, right? It's not selfish to say, Lord, I really need this. Or even, I really want this, okay? Because he wants to give, the Bible says, if, if a good father gives good gifts to his children, how much more does our Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? So he wants to give you good gifts. He wants to give you good things. I think a lot of times um, people will think, well, if I follow Jesus, I can't have any of the other stuff that I like to do. Well, that's not true, because he, lo- he wants us, he gives us the desires of our heart, amen? So he gives us the skills and the abilities and, and the hobbies and um, the things that we like to do. He, he likes to do them too. We're made out of the image of God, the image and likeness of God. So he has things that he likes to do too. He likes to see us. He likes to, uh, spoil is the wrong word, he likes to bless his children, Amen? He likes to bless us. So when we approach the Lord with praise and thanksgiving, it changes the attitude of our heart from a place of ungratefulness to a place of gratitude. It takes the, the focus off ourselves and puts it on Him. 
So how do we get from a bad attitude to a good attitude? Have you ever been in a bad mood and it feels like that nothing that happens can change it? <clears throat> it's like, this is my attitude. I have a right to be upset right now. And nothing's going to change how I feel. I know nobody, none of you have. I've, I've had that before, but no, none of you guys have. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. <clears throat> Excuse me, draw near to you. Amen. So even if we have a bad attitude, even if uh, we're in a place where like, I just, this is where I want to be right now. Just, just push through because the devil doesn't want you to draw near to God. He wants you to stay where you're at. But just push through and draw near to God. Whether it's praying. I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, sometimes if, if uh, you're in a bad mood and you try to pray, it's like, thank you, Jesus, for everything you do. But the more you say it, okay, maybe you're, you're kind of gritting your teeth, but the more you say it, um, the easier it becomes. And then, and then you start thinking about the things like, oh, yeah, he did this. Oh, yeah, this happened today. And you just start dwelling on him and his goodness and not dwelling on what just happened. The reason you're in the bad mood, amen? So we draw near to God. He will draw near to, near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify, purify your hearts, you double-minded. So again, we, we do a self-check. We purify our hearts. The Bible says that we can build ourselves up on our most holy faith, that we can build ourselves up. Amen? So maybe it's just you by yourself. Well, you can build yourself up on your most holy, holy faith by what? By praying in the Spirit. So if you don't have a prayer language, a spiritual prayer language, I encourage you just to ask the Lord. Ask somebody that you know um, can speak in tongues because praying in the Spirit is important in our prayer life. It's important in our life in general. So we draw near to God. You begin to act like those you associate with. Amen? So if you start to associate yourself with God, you're going to act more like Jesus. The closer you are to God, the better attitude that you're going to have. And as you read, your, as you read the Word, your heart starts to change. And if you're in it, if you're in it daily and you're reading and you're um, asking the Lord to show you things about uh, you know, things that you're not quite sure on in the Word... Well, he's going to show you, and your heart's going to start to change. You're going to start to understand what he's trying to tell you in his word. I mean, because it's not complicated. It's simple, but there are layers to the Holy Spirit. There are layers to his word. Amen. And so, right now, there might be something that somebody has a revelation of. And you're like, wow, that is, that's a lot. Like, that's complex. I don't understand that. Well, as you grow in the word, it becomes simple. Amen. It's like, have you ever had something where you can't figure it out? Maybe, maybe somebody was really bad in geometry, <clears throat> and, uh, and you just didn't understand geometry. But then one day, you're working on something, and it just clicked. Well, now it's like, oh yeah, this is easy. Or if you ever tried to learn a skill, and it's hard at first to learn, but then all of a sudden, something just clicks. It's like, wow, this is really easy. Well, that's how it is when we read the Word, when we read the Bible. The more we read it, the easier it becomes to understand these things that we thought were complex, but are actually simple. It's like, oh, Lord, I understand that now. That's what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> Amen? So as you read the word, your heart starts to change. You start spending more time with God, you become teachable, and you allow him to change your heart. <laughs> Amen? It's important to be teachable. Change is a good word. Say change. change. Say, I need, to change. I need to change. Say, you need to change. I know I do. Right? Change is a good word. Because when we, when we open ourselves up to be teachable by the Holy Spirit, then again, 
with God, all things are possible. There's nothing that can't be done in our life to honor him. There's nothing that he can't do through us that's too big or too small. So when we put ourselves in a position like, all right, Lord, I know you don't need to change, but I know I need to change, and I'm going to allow you to change me. I'm going to allow you to mold me to your will. I'm going to allow you to put me exactly where you want me to put me. Um, it opens every door that he wants open. Amen? And we can start walking through these opportunities that he has for us. Because I tell you what, he has great things for you. Amen? He has great, great things and exploits and, uh, and things that he wants you to do. And he has great plans for your life. He has a great ministry for you. So many times, you know, you'll see people that just don't know what their ministry is. It's like, I go to job, 9 to 5 job, and I come home and whatever. But I want to tell you that he has a great ministry for you. He has an important ministry for you. Amen. And he wants you to settle into your ministry with a grateful heart, with a good attitude towards him. Amen. Hallie, did you get something out of this this morning? Amen. Amen. Me too. Let's just bow our heads this morning. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we can come to you, that you don't judge us. Lord, that we have a great high priest in Jesus that is our mediator, that knows everything that we need, has been tempted in every way that we've been tempted, and has come out perfect, Lord. So we just thank you that we can imitate Jesus in our everyday life. We can imitate your attitude, Jesus, in our everyday life. Father, I just thank you for everybody here this, this morning, that you're working on them, that you're... That, all of us, Lord, that you're molding us to your image, that you're molding us according to what your will is for our life. Not that you make us do anything, Lord, that, but that we willingly change to your image, that we willingly, uh, uh, that we willingly uh, uh, let you um, put your will in our life. Father, I thank you that even right now, that, that we're, instead of walking down our own path, we're walking down your path. Father, I just pray for a blessing on everybody here. I declare a great day. Lord, a great afternoon, Lord, a great evening, a great evening service tonight as well, Lord. And just thank you for blessing your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is a good word. I mean, this is, a, this is just a good word just to have every day, right? Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.